0: Hey, Pawn family, welcome back to another episode of the Pawn Leaders Podcast. This is Egal, your host, and I'm actually here in Israel on a family vacation, but of course, I want to bring you an episode every single week, so I'm here doing a great intro for you, and before I bring on my guest, Brad Huskin, who has been uh, training in the pawn industry and the jewelry industry in sales since 1998, I want to kind of talk to you about something that happened yesterday really quickly. We're at the Carmel Market, which is an incredible outdoor market of people who sell clothes and they sell food, jewelry. I mean, just outstanding market. I'll post a picture in the group so that you can check it out. I'm talking with a guy, and of course, we end up talking about life balance because I'm asking him about how people rent a booth here. Do they buy the booth here? And uh, it's one of the busiest markets in the world. So we're talking, and the guy says, "You know what he For me, every two months, I shut down the last." At least a week and I go on vacation I've been working here for 40 years and I realized that if I don't have time for me I don't come back energized I don't sell I don't do as much business so I learned this years ago that I've got to shut down and take time for myself so I think I want to kind of give you guys that lesson that it's important to take time for yourselves this is also about you know enjoying your life not just about making money and the topic came up because there was a lady down the, down the way who looks like, you know, she can't even rub two pennies together, as they say. But he was telling me how she's the richest woman uh, here in Tel Aviv, here in the market. But she's there every single day. She has no life. Uh, she sells bread. And she just, that's what she does. She just makes money but doesn't enjoy one second of it. And it kind of related to my grandfather, who was was the same. He was a great guy. He worked seven days a week, 14 hours a day, but never really enjoyed his money. He made great money, but he just was always sitting behind the desk working. Now, you can say that, hey, that's what he loved to do. And I I agree. I I don't knock that. If that's what you love to do, that's that's what you love to do. But if you want to take a break once in a while, please go ahead. Find a way to do it. Uh, Take some time off. It's okay to close the store a little bit early. It's okay to open the store a little bit later, but make sure that you're getting time for yourself. Now, with that said, being in Israel, everything that we're doing here, I'm here with my family. Uh, of course, we're Googling, and we're looking at the reviews uh, for restaurants and museums and, and different things to do for the kids. And it's so important, like I, I, not just in the U.S., but also in different countries, how important Google reviews are. And of course, I want to mention... The sponsor of the show, Podium, who helps you not only interact with your clients online, but also get incredible reviews. And I got to sit down with Tom at the uh, at the Dixie Convention, and he was kind of showing me what what Podium's doing nowadays. And it's the software is incredible. You just can't go wrong. So if you want to grow your presence online, if you want to bring in more customers to your store, go to Podium.com slash Pawn Leaders to get 10% off your monthly subscription to Podium today. So here's my podcast with my good friend, Brad Huskin. Check it out. Hey everyone, my name is Igalodato and this is the Pawn Leaders Podcast. A podcast to help you make more money, stress less, and live an epic life, all while working at the pawn shop. Brad, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, you gal, well, thanks for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be with you today.
0: No, I think we've known each other for 15 years already from, from going to pond conventions and and you being in the pond industry so long. So it's it's a pleasure having you on.
1: Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I think it's been a little more than 15 years, but uh, we don't want to date ourselves
0: now, do we? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Love and So so Brad, um obviously you're you're well known in the industry. For those of you who don't know you, kind of walk us through exactly uh, what you do, um, and and how well, you got, I, and how you got into the pawn industry. Okay, well, in
1: 1996 is when I started my own company doing sales and sales management training, and ten years prior to that, I did it for another company, and then I broke out on my own, and uh, was speaking at the jewelry show in Las Vegas. And a couple of members of the California Pawnbrokers Association saw me speaking at that event. So they invited me to come speak to one of the CLSDA shows, which uh, is no longer CLSDA. It's the Kappa Shows. So that was my um, initiation into the pawn industry way back in 1997 or 98, I believe it was.
0: Nice. So you came to the conventions and you obviously saw a need to help pawnbrokers and their staff be able to sell better, correct?
1: Yeah, one of the, they had a statistic posted on a board out front of the uh, trade show, and it said that um, 5% of the public had ever stepped foot in a pawn shop. And my first thought, of course, was, man, what a tremendous opportunity these people have for growth. If we can just get 10 or 15% of the public to step into a pawn shop, we would be doubling our revenues. So, um, you know, giving the seminar and then visiting a number of pawn stores, you know, you see a few things that... Uh, Definitely need the people is the big thing.
0: I love it. And I couldn't agree with you more. Now, once you got into the pawn business, obviously you kind of saw what was going on in the industry. Now let's talk about sales. I think that a lot of pawn shops at the moment are saying, oh, the economy is, is kind of growing or you know, the gold prices and, and my pricing structure and, and all these types of excuses as to not be growing their sales. Let's talk about the three mistakes that you believe that pawn shops are making that are hindering their sales on a day-to-day basis?
1: Well, I think number one, first and foremost, is that normally pawn shops do a fantastic job of training their um, SLAs or sales and lenders associates to be um, great lenders and great buyers. But when it comes to training them on how to be great salespeople, they fall down a little bit. And that's where, uh, you know, not only is, or you're running a pawn shop but you're also running a retail organization because you got to turn the merchandise that you have out on the shelves into cash so you can get it back out on the street in pawn service charges so that's where we come in and that's where one of my specialties is is we teach people how to be better salespeople and better professionals and how to move the merchandise out so that we can turn it into cash and get that money back out on the street where it belongs so we're making more money on our pawn service charges because pawn shops do sell money. There's no question about that. But they got to sell the stuff that's forfeited um, because it's just cash sitting there that has, has no value to it. They can't land on it. They can't put it in the bank. They can't pay bills with it. And it's just inventory sitting on the shelves. So, um, you know, they got to be better merchants.
0: I love that. We always talk about hoarding here on the podcast that, that a lot of pawnbrokers like to hoard. <laughs> merchandise and they should be on the show hoarders you know just uh, exactly
1: yeah i've always said that thank god pawnbrokers aren't pet stores because
0: uh oh man God
1: god forbid it's not like a bunch of old pets you know
0: you have like a 14 year old dog hanging out there exactly yeah so so the first mistake you say is basically that they're training their staff just to be great lenders and buyers but not the sell side obviously what you specialize in. What are two other mistakes that you think that are hindering sales when it comes to the pawn shops?
1: Well, when you get to brass tack sales techniques, I think that uh, too often sales people try to sell based on the reasons they want to sell, not necessarily the reason that the customers want to buy. And everybody wants to buy things for different reasons. And if, in fact, we're not asking the right questions, then we're not finding out the valuable information that we need in order to not only make the sale, but to add on as well. And that leads to the other big mistake that palm burgers make is that too often their sales staff or their SLAs are so gosh darned happy to make a sale that they run like heck to the register before the customer changes their mind without stopping to find out what particular add-on items. And even when you're lending money, if you give somebody money, you might as well try to get some of it back uh, through selling something off the shelves or selling some merchandise. So we've got to teach people what questions to ask and how to ask them, and um, not only get our sales up, but get our add-ons up as well. you know, I've had some tremendous success, especially with add-ons in pawn shops. And one store in particular, I'm not going to mention any names, but average pawn shop sells about 5 to 8% in add-on sales. And I've seen some stores consistently hit 35%, 40% in add-ons. So it's a major uh, effort or a major uh, result that you get by teaching your people how to sell add-on items. And... Um, you know, if we can increase our sales by 20, 30 percent, add-ons is all pure, plain profit. Anything that any sale they create of and above what the customer came in for is all profit. So, um, you know, whether you're buying or whether you're um, pawning or whether you're selling merchandise, you always have to attempt to add on. Uh- and the easiest way to add on is quite simply get the customer to tell you what potentially they may be buying next. And, you know, I use the example of you're selling a guitar and you find out the guy travels all throughout your community uh, playing in a rock and roll band. And you just say, well, I'm curious what kind of sturdy gig bag do you have to protect your new guitar? And the guy says, well, I need to look at one of those, too. Well, there's your add on. And, you know, I, I was joking with some people, you know, what's the perfect add on for an air compressor? Of course, everybody says air hoses or air tools or this, that, or the other thing. And I said, "Yeah, well, how about a diamond?" You know, you say to the guy, "Now let's catch your air pressure compressor. What are the special events you have coming up?" He says, "Well, Valentine's Day's next week." You say, "Well, geez, while you're here, why don't we go over and look in the jewelry case?"
0: Yeah, let good. done. Boom,
1: we sell him a piece of
0: jewelry. Yeah, I love it. I think I think one of the biggest mistakes uh, pawn shops make is when someone's coming in to get a loan. I'm um, not pushing a sale. What, I, I never realized this, but the best day, the best days that we had in the pawn shop, Brad, were when somebody came in and they would say, Miko, please, I need $150. Um, I got to pay the rent. and I got to do this. and I got to do that. So we would lend her $150 and she'd turn around. And she'd be like, oh my God, that ring is exactly what I'm looking for. How much is it? And we'd say, oh, it's $110. She said, you know what? I'll put it on layaway. Here's 20 bucks.
1: Exactly. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, and that's where I don't want it to happen by accident. I want it to happen on purpose and If we can convert you know even one or two pawns and buys or layaway payments into a sale for that much further along and producing added revenue and added profits and turn that merchandise into cash so it's it's a major issue today.
0: So go, just going to kind of go back into review the three mistakes that you believe pawn shops are making today are not enough training for their staff which exactly. i agree. Yep. I believe that sometimes yep. we throw pawn brokers into a pawn shop expecting so much of them without giving them the right training. Uh two yep. asking the right questions. Right? Correct. And then three yep. the add on because that's pure profit as you said.
1: Absolutely. They're not attempting to add on. Yeah. and I'll mention another thing as well that I think that we can do a much better job of, and that is selling ourselves and selling the company. And too often, when a customer leaves a pawn shop, they don't even know where they were. And I know, for example, the people that buy jewelry hang out with people that buy jewelry, and people that buy tools or guns or musical instruments or game systems or any of those kinds of things, they tend to hang out with people that. Are in the same boat as they are they need money or they need tools or they need or they're gamers and they play games or you know wherever the case may be so um by not selling ourselves and selling the company we're not uh, utilizing that opportunity to get referrals and recommendations from our existing customer base and uh, you know that's where we got to do a much better job of selling ourselves and selling the company as well
0: so i think you just found something incredible i don't You know, you just mentioned that, you know, the the musician hangs out with musicians and the guy who's got tools hangs out with other guys who have tools or the people who buy jewelry hang out with other people who buy jewelry. And as pawn shops, we sometimes see the customer as just one off, as opposed to who is the network of people that they have when they walk out of that door. So I love what you just brought up. And I think that more pawn brokers need to kind of consider that as the clients walking out the door.
1: Oh, absolutely! I call them centers of influence, and you know, even on the pawn side, people that need money tend to hang out with people that need money. And if we can just get that customer to say to their friends, "Gosh, you know, they treated me so well over there at ABC Pawn Shop. You guys need to go see them if you ever need, ever had a need for uh, money or merchandise or you know, a guitar or whatever the case may be." And uh, you know, I've been to all the seminars on social media and Facebook and tweeting and all those things, and I think all those things are extremely valuable but I still don't think there's ever going to be a more powerful form of advertising than one human being saying to another human being, you got to go see those guys. They're so great over there.
0: Yeah. Well, it's social proof and it's a warm lead as they would call it. It's the best exactly. type of advertising. Like you said, love it, man. And something else the else that's actually me-
1: proactively asking for them. So go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, it's okay. You, you also said something else that really intrigued me. You said that you don't want that add on to happen on purpose. I mean, by accident, excuse by accident. me. not happened to happen by accident. You want that to happen on purpose?
1: Absolutely. So yeah, and that's where you know. If I just ask, I'm curious. What kind of TV do you have for your new game system? And they say, well, you know, I'd really like to get one of those next. Oh, geez, let me show you what we just got at a pawn. You know, we've got an incredible layaway program as well. If you can't afford it today, we can always put it in layaway, and create sales. And you know, that's where so often. We just sit back and wait for sales to happen. We're not proactively causing these things to happen. And that's the difference between what I consider to be a professional pawn shop and one that's just maybe marginally just getting by.
0: So I, when, I, when, I, when you just mentioned that right now, I always think about when I'm sitting at a restaurant and I've had my meal, I've had my drink, and I'm really in the mood for a dessert. But the waitress comes by and hands me the check. Right, so if well, and I,
1: I, I use that as a joke on my training tapes, if you go to a restaurant and the waiter or waitress comes up to you at the end of the meal and says, "You didn't want a dessert, did you?" Well, <laughs> they, they just don't understand, or you don't want another drink, do you? Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. But you know, how often do you say that? as opposed to a waitress that comes up and says, man, we got hot out the oven apple pie with cinnamon ice cream melting down to the sides, and the strawberry cheesecake tonight is just to die for. Let me bring you a few of those, and y'all can share. And what are we unlikely to say? Oh, absolutely, that'd be great. Yeah. And that that's even the type of person that I try to recruit, because they understand the whole game, and uh through their business sales, and those kinds of things. So, you know, that, that's another added benefit is when somebody really understands and they really get it, potentially that could be a great employee, especially if you got a young woman that's you know a single mother and she's working late at night in a restaurant to support her family. Maybe we give her a job working during the day, make more money and uh, potentially recruit somebody that would be great for us.
0: So I even think about like I get angry at the waitress sometimes. Like, man, I really wanted dessert, but fine. I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, like I, there's like anger within me because I, I really wanted to change you know the flavor in the mouth I wanted something else but because they didn't know that I guess maybe because I enjoy sales I get upset at that so I'm sure that some people do as well like if you bought a ring right and you didn't you know sell them something as an add-on or, or a different item to where their wife would have been happier or their significant other would have loved the gift even more if you just would have offered something else
1: yeah and I you know I always You know, it's funny how my wife's birthday is September 30th, and our our anniversary is October 20th. And in over 40 years of marriage, I've never bought an anniversary gift and a birthday gift on the same misery trip or shopping (laughs) trip. Why? Because nobody's ever asked me. And, you know, or, you know, we just think men are incapable of thinking that far in advance. But if somebody just say, what other special events do you have coming up? I say, well, gosh, your birthday is a couple of weeks away, or anniversary is a couple of weeks away. Maybe we could sell another item. So we can't limit ourselves or put blinders on, them and think that just because the customer says that they just want this, that that's all they really need, because they may need a multitude of other things as well.
0: Love that. So let's let's talk about that. Let's kind of give the pawn family uh, a little bit of value here, Brad. Oh. The first, the first thing. The first thing that um, you mentioned was ask questions like what other anniversaries or special events do you have coming up? I think that's an incredible question. Just to ask what else is coming up that we can help you with, right?
1: Yeah, and I I differentiate just for clear to give you guys something to really work on and nibble on here, is there are good quality add-on questions. And I look at any type of buy-sell scenario and I try to come up with two or three good quality add-on questions that I or the SLA would be comfortable in asking. For example, if you're selling somebody a TV, well, what questions might you ask in order to find out what the appropriate add-on is? Or if you're waiting on somebody and selling something for themselves, what might you ask them? If you're selling a gift item at Valentine's Day, what might you ask that person? And there's usually two or three good quality add-on questions that you could come up with that would be um, real winners when it comes to selling additional items. You know, at Valentine's Day, especially, if you just say, well, I'm curious who else is on your Valentine's Day gift-giving list, you never know. They may want to buy something for their mom or for their daughter or, you know, a daughter-in-law or something along those lines. We may pick up an extra two or three items. So I call those add-on questions. And then the other thing I use is what I call key questions. And there are seven of those key questions and these are questions that i think need to be asked in 99.99 percent of all presentations and you know i don't want people to mistake what i'm saying here because i don't believe we need a bunch of robots running around the floor and as a matter of fact my entire training process there's only two times where I say use my words and use them exactly. And one of them is one of these key questions and every new customer, especially I want to ask, well, I'm curious who recommended our pawn shop and just based on the fact that you asked who recommended now, what's the customer thinking? Well, gosh, this place must get a lot of recommendations that they wouldn't have asked. (laughs) So suddenly the trust factor goes up and we didn't do anything to sell ourselves and sell the store yet, but we, we, Approach it from the perspective of we get lots of recommendations. I'm curious who recommended you. And if you get a recommendation, you'd certainly want to thank the person doing the recommending to cause them to do it again. And as you know, pawn shops have a bad rap in some areas, and uh, I want to eliminate that immediately by I'm not one of those guys, we run our business based on getting referrals and recommendations. So I just think that's vital that we ask every new customer, especially who recommended our store. Especially if you can ask for recommendations and referrals later on uh, throughout the sales presentation. Then I'd always want to ask who you're shopping for, because I need a gender and a relationship. I'd wanna ask them what have they seen that they'd love to have, because I wanna know what I'm up against from a competitive standpoint. If they're looking at tools, and they say oh, I was over at Home Depot, then that tells me how I need to sell my store. If they've been looking at TVs and they're at Walmart, then that tells me how I need to sell the store. If, if, I, if I ask and they say, well, I've been doing some research on the internet, then I know I'm selling against the internet. I'm in a much better position to actually sell myself and still at the store based on something appropriate to the customer. And then the single most important question in sales is what's important to you in selecting or whatever it is. What's important to you in selecting a guitar, a game system, a diamond ring, a necklace, a bracelet, you know, a Sawzall, whatever the case may be. Because like I said, people buy things for all kinds of different reasons. And, um, you know, I was in a music show and I, I heard that 65% of all pianos sold in the United States are sold as a piece of furniture, not as a musical instrument.
0: Mm-hmm. What
1: would you guess most salespeople try to sell it as? A musical instrument. Yeah. You know, maybe they just want a piece of furniture to take up a blank space in their living room. You know, we don't know. But I do the exercise. Let's just say we're all going to go out and buy a new car this afternoon. What's singly the most important thing to, buying for, to you in buying a new car? Some people say mileage and durability and room and, you know, model and, uh, you know, with me, for example, living in Denver, it has to be four-wheel drive. That's the most important thing to me. And if I want four-wheel drive and the salesperson's selling me on durability, it really doesn't make a connection. So we got to ask what's important. And if they just say, well, I don't know, I've never done this before then that's the customer telling you, well, I need your guidance and I need your expertise and I need you to help me make this decision. So again, I mean, that's what separates the pros from the amateurs is just in knowing what questions to ask and how to ask them and what time to ask them and um, just selling based on the people or reasons customers want to buy and not the reasons you want to sell. And that that I think is one of the biggest issues out there today. <laughs>
0: and correct me if i'm wrong brad i I believe like when you were mentioning these questions which by the way if you're listening you need to like rewind write these down and put this into your sales process because he just gave you such an incredible tip even if it's the four out of seven which i think will turn around your sales um one is it it's got to improve it's got to help with returns right because once you're asking somebody who recommended your pawn shop what are you shopping for What are they seeing? And what's important to you? They walk out knowing that they've had all their needs met. Is that correct?
1: Uh, It's absolutely correct. And that's where... You know the design of this whole thing is to help cut down on any type of returns or unhappiness and you know i want customers leaving my store with a great big huge smile on their face knowing they got exactly what they wanted uh, for the price that they wanted and they're happy and they're going to go tell all their friends and relatives about what a great experience they had it's going to promote the business and you know i mentioned it the first of when we started talking that back in 1997 or 98 5 percent of the public had ever stepped foot in a pawn shop I happened to have a booth next to the NPA a couple of shows ago. And you know that's already jumped up to seven point five percent of the public step for step foot in the pawn shop. So needless to say, we still have a long way to go and a tremendous opportunity to grow our businesses just based on doing the right things and taking care of the customers.
0: Seven point five percent of the population, like if you think about that in your area, that only seven point five of of your community has stepped into your pawn shop, like you said, I mean, so much opportunity there. It's incredible.
1: That is 92.5% of the people have never stepped foot in a pawn shop. And, and I'll admit that not everybody's ever going to step foot in a pawn shop. But if we can get up that up to 25%, 30 40%, oh my God, the rewards would be just incredible.
0: And I think people are more open to step into a pawn shop today because of obviously all the shows and the curiosity um, as opposed to before. So it's even easier today than it was before.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think that uh, the shows have done a great job in helping to improve the image of a pawn shop. And now it's up to the individual pawn shop owner to make sure that the same, same message is translated to their customers as well. Love it. And that's again where I went back and said, we got to start selling ourselves and selling our shop.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think you said that right. It's not just selling the items in the store, but it's selling ourselves and selling the shops so that people see what it's really is and if you're going to do that you have to make sure that one your store is clean two it's merchandised well three you've got you're giving good prices so that you know people can keep on walking in as opposed to i can't believe i just walked into this crap hole of a shop
1: exactly and making sure that you have an attentive staff and i can't tell you how many times i've been mystery shopping a pawn shop and you know, I went into one store and the guy's painting a pegboard display, and I just said to him, Excuse me, could I ask you a question? He says, When I'm done. Oh, my God. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's that bad sometimes. Yeah. And uh, well, it may not be that bad in your store. I'll just give you another subtlety. I was at back Steakhouse not long ago, speaking of food and restaurants and those kinds of things. And I'm with another couple that just happens to own a shop. And, you know, the woman says, Well, what's the soup of the day? And the waitress says, oh, we have the most spectacular French onion soup that is just delicious, but we're out of it. You can't have it. Uh, I thought, what? Why did you even say that? Why don't you just say the cheese broccoli soup tonight is spectacular? Let me bring you a bowl. And just so often, if we're not listening and coaching and uh, catching our people doing the right things and doing all the management things that we need to do as well to – Enhance the experience the customers have, then I don't think we're maximizing our efforts.
0: Love it, Brad. You have given so much value to the Pond family. Thank you so much for being on. Um, I know that people yeah, can. find can I find... mention uh, uh, one other thing? Yeah, yeah, of we course. Just inter...
1: We Go just ahead. introduced a brand new program, and it's sales management via weekly video. And, uh, so we're sending out a weekly video via YouTube on a sales management technique and it's a subscription thing. So you sign up for a month and it's only $99 per month and you get one every week into your inbox and, um, I'm offering it for free for your listeners for one month. So, if they want some free training, all they got to do is email me at brad at ias com. I'll be more than happy to sign them up for a free preview of our um, training program, our management training. And, um, you know, I think you can't beat the price.
0: Love it. Yeah. Free, free, you can't be free. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> free is pretty darn good, isn't it? <laughs> you heard my it my first wife week. didn't know it. I told my wife I just started a non-profit corporation. I didn't realize it.
0: I'm just uh, <laughs> <laughs> real happy so, about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, but, but no, that's an offer to your listeners. They can have one month free trial period. And then after that month, if they like it, they can continue it. If they don't like it, then they can say thank you very much for the free preview.
0: Awesome. So you heard Brad for here first. If you want to get that free trial, uh, email him at brad at com. Also, if you want to continue the conversation, you know how to find us in the podcast community on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com and go to Paul Leaders Podcast and jump in there and have a conversation with close to 500 other pawnbrokers. Brad, once again, thank you so much for giving so much value to the Pond family.
1: It's really been my pleasure. Look forward to seeing you soon.
0: All right, brother. Thank you.